Good morning. I may have told you this story uh, before, but uh, last year around Easter time, we were on holiday down in Somerset with some friends, um, and we'd, we'd been out, I think it was for a walk somewhere, and then we were going somewhere else, traveling somewhere else to go for lunch, and I had no idea where we were going, so I thought, oh, I'll just follow my friend's car, like you do in convoy. What could possibly go wrong, hey? So um, we turned out of the place, uh, or my friend turned out of the place onto like a, a busy main road, and I momentarily lost sight of him, and then I managed to, to turn out. And I caught up with him like a couple of hundred yards down the road. And we followed them out and got on the motorway, um, then turned off and pulled into a village. And I thought, oh, this is where the pub is. This, this is where we're going for lunch. But then we turned off down a side street um, into a housing estate. And then the car slowed down and turned onto a, a driveway. Then the dawning realization, oh, we've been following the wrong car. This was confirmed when uh, a strange woman that I had no idea who it was got out of the car and got her two small children out of the car and went into their house. My family, to their credit, didn't laugh at me or mock me in any way. Uh, I mean, it was the same make of car. What do you expect? Um, so I then get on the phone uh, to my friends and find out where the place is where we're supposed to be. And then, you know, you tap it into your phone and and you find it. I was trying to be low-tech and just, you know, follow a friend. I mean, what could go wrong? Uh, now, contrast that story with uh, a story that Rich, Richard, Richard, give us a wave, just in case people don't know you. Uh, Richard, who runs Street Life and normally uh, is at our Bradley Stoke site. Richard told me this story a couple of weeks ago. So, Richard used to live, and I'm going to get all the details wrong, so I apologize in advance, Richard, but it's a good story. Um, Richard used to live in South Africa for a number of years and was traveling down to Cape Town with some friends and they broke down somewhere in the desert, is that right? And um, they were near a town and they, they um, had the name of someone, uh, a, a Christian in that town. They had, no, uh, they had no address, no contact details, didn't even know where in the town that person lived. But they thought, oh, we'll, we'll go and visit that person. And as they drove in on, uh, to the outskirts of the town, they saw a car with a fish symbol on the back. And Richard thought, oh, you know, uh, we'll, if that person's a Christian, maybe they'll know this person. You know, that, that kind of thing. You know, like when you say, oh, you're from Australia. Do you know my friend Bruce? You know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. Oh, you know, I'm sure they'll, they'll know them. So they follow this car um, until it comes to a stop. Uh, and then the person gets out and Richard says, oh, do you know, we're looking for this person. Do you know them? You, you won't believe it. That was the person. So what is my point? My point is not if you're trying to get somewhere quickly, then you should travel with Richard <laughs> rather than me. That, that's not the point. The point is who or what you follow will make a massive difference in your life. I thought I'd been following my friend, but I was actually following a random stranger. And who or what you follow 
will probably define the course of your life, whether you realize it or not. People say, hitch your wagon to a star. What I mean by that is that football players want to play for the best managers or coaches, don't they? Or, uh, you know, if in your work you want to learn from the best in your kind of field or profession. Um, and in life, we look to the people we admire to kind of follow them and emulate them. Jesus repeatedly says, follow me, not pursue happiness, not kind of make the most of your life, but he says to follow him. Now, that is a pretty big statement, isn't it? And for many of you, uh, that won't be a surprise. And for some of you, it'll be like, really? Following Jesus? Today, I want us to look at what it means to follow God. You might be here and you might be asking, what is this Christianity stuff all about? Well, Christianity isn't actually uh, a religion. It is about following a person and a way of life. And equally, for those of us who would say we're believers, I hope today will be a reminder of what it is we're really all about. So we're going to start by reading uh, those words of Jesus from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, starting at verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, nothing to do with the magic roundabout, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets or mending their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, which means the ten towns, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. This morning, very simply, I want us to look at three things. I want us to look at the call to follow Jesus, the cost of following him, and then we'll look at the consequences of doing that. So first of all, the call. There's a call to follow Jesus. Verse 19, Jesus says to these brothers, come, follow me. That's what being a disciple is. It's following Jesus, learning from him, imitating him. It's a call to be with him and a call to do the things that he does. When I was young, 
I got into music. I like 70s music. If you don't know me well, that's my bag. Uh, kind of Pink Floyd and a, a bit before my time, but I appreciate it. And there were certain musicians that I admired or followed, and I was influenced by uh, the way they dressed, the way they looked, and the things that they said. But then when I got to 17, I got introduced to Jesus. And ever since that point, I've followed him. He's like the star that I've hitched my wagon to. And I want him now to be the primary influence in my life and the absolute object of my pursuit and affections. Now, there's been other people that have influenced me. So when I was young, growing up in Bristol, I had a great aunt who lived in Filton. And she was just a lovely, kind, generous lady. It wasn't that I spent loads of time with her, but even now, I, I think back and I think what an impact she had on me. Even before I was a Christian or knew anything about church or faith, she had an impact on me. And then when I was a bit older and was in church, uh, there was another guy, a, a guy called Phil Varley, who spent time with me and taught me like how to relate to God. And he actually taught me most of what I know about leadership in the church. So if you've got a problem with me, blame Phil. That's what I always used to say anyway when I was in London. But what's the point? The point is those people that influenced me before and after I was a Christian, it wasn't really about them. It was that they were reflecting something of Jesus in their lives and what he'd done in their lives. So let me ask you, who are you influenced by? Just think for a moment. Who are the primary influences in your life? What, this, what these verses say to us is that there is an invitation from Jesus to follow him, an invitation into relationship and an invitation for us to be changed by him. Think about being mentored at work or think about parenting or coaching, but actually there's more to it than that. There is a kind of a commitment and a sacrifice that comes with following Jesus. To be with him, there's maybe some things that we need to leave behind. And so we've talked about the call. This is the cost. Alice Cooper, the rock singer, he's going to appear. He's second from the left. He said this, drinking beer is easy. Who would attest to that? Yeah, one or two are honest. Trashing your hotel is easy. Anyone attest to that? Yeah, Bradley, thank you. Um, but being a Christian, that is a tough call. That is real rebellion. Look at what it says in the passage about Peter and Andrew. In verse 20, it says, at once... They left their nets. They left their workplace. They counted the cost to follow Jesus. And then James and his brother John in verse 22, they left their boat and their father and followed him. 
They were leaving their immediate possessions. They were giving up the family business to follow Jesus. Later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus talks about the cost of following him. It's in chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Conventional wisdom would say, if you love people and want the best for them, then you'll say, do whatever you want to do that makes you happy. But Jesus seems to turn that completely on its head. He says, deny yourself, forego other desires or things that you might pursue in order to follow him. It seems counterintuitive, but Jesus says, lose your life, die to yourself and doing things your own way, and then you'll find life in him. Now, this is a bit of a simple and silly example, but when I was at university, I was a relatively new Christian. Uh, I'd probably been following Jesus a couple of years, and, but I, rem- and I was very into music, as I've already talked about. I still am. Um, but I made a conscious decision to not spend so much time doing music, uh, you know, being in bands, uh, practicing for hours and hours and hours like you need to do if you, if you want to do well. Um, I made a conscious decision to not spend so much time pursuing those things in order to pursue Jesus. And that meant for me getting involved in church and serving. And it was a sacrifice. It wasn't like, oh, I don't really care. It was like, I love music. I love doing those things. And it's not necessarily that that's what everyone should do, but that's what, that's, that was true for me at that time. Following Jesus is a pattern for the whole of your life. Saying yes to him and saying no to sin, to doing the wrong thing, or anything else that would draw your attention away from him. What do you think it costs Jesus to win us, to be able to forgive us and allow us to have a relationship with him? It cost him everything. It cost him his life on the cross. And so in return, he's calling us to count the cost and follow him. Now another aspect to this is surrendering your control. We all like to feel like the captain of our ship, don't we? You're allowed to smile at me. Um, It takes humility to allow yourself to be led, to admit, I don't have all the answers. My way isn't necessarily the best way. I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to trust the way he leads me. 
And you wouldn't just follow anyone, would you? Well, apart from me following a random stranger in a car that looks like my friend's, you actually need to trust and believe in the person. And I would encourage you, it's, it would be better for you to trust and follow Jesus rather than yourself and what you think is best. So why should we pay that cost to follow Jesus? What's the benefit for us? Well, Jesus says what he will do for those that follow him. And this is the consequence. Jesus says, if you follow me, in verse 19, I will make you fish for people. That may sound a little strange. I thought he'd say something like, I'll make you really powerful. Or, I'll make your life really easy. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I'll make you fish for people. You'll do what I do. I'll take all that you are, and I will use it to change other people's lives. Whether you're a teacher or a decorator, whether you're an accountant or an artist, whether you're young or old, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're black or white, the consequence of loving Jesus and following him is becoming like him and doing the things he did. Think of it like shadow boxing. I think we should act this out. Ivor, will you come and help me? I just thought I'd pick someone equally, well, around my age. We're only three days apart. Um, oh, no, I'm older. No, I'm four days older than you. Oh, no, I thought he was older than me. But similar physique and physicality. So you're just going to shadow box me? Yeah? yeah? Okay. Yeah. So whatever I do, you do. Yeah. Left jab? Yeah. Bit, bit faster. Left jab? Yeah. Snap it? Yeah. Right hook? Let's do some footwork. Okay. Should we, should we do some rocky back? Yeah, left. Okay, brilliant. Round of applause. Yeah, when, when I move, Ivor moves, you know, like lightning. I mean, it's, it's as if he is my shadow. It's remarkable. But we want to be that way with Jesus, don't we? When, when Jesus does something, I want to do that too. You know, how does Jesus treat people? Well, I want to treat people like that. Do you notice how when people spend a lot of time together, they start picking up mannerisms, and they even use the same phrases? And sometimes I see someone, and they use a phrase, and I think, ah, you've been spending time with that person, because it's so obvious. And that should be like us. You know, the more we spend time with Jesus, the more we hang out with him, the more we should kind of reflect how he is. It's not ultimately something that we do. Uh, Stuart mentioned it uh, at the end of worship. It's not like willpower. I'm going to be really, really kind today. Or I'm going to be really, really forgiving. But then someone cuts you up in the car and it's like, well, you know, that's out the window now. No, actually, it's something as we spend time with Jesus, he does it in us. We pick up 
his mannerisms. And then you can say, like the Apostle Paul does in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, imitate me just as I imitate Christ. That's a pretty big claim, isn't it? I'm not sure how often I could say that. But actually, the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we can say that. You can only say those words with integrity if you're actually imitating Jesus. And my heart's desire for you, for us as a church, is that we would follow Jesus with our whole heart. Look at some of the things that Jesus did in verses 23 and 24. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and illness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Where do you think the disciples were when Jesus was doing all these things? They were right there with him. And those are the things that we should be doing. Jesus sent the disciples out to do the things that he did, and they're the things that we should be doing. Proclaiming the good news, teaching and healing what Jesus did, tell and do. If you would describe yourself as a follower of Jesus, are you telling anyone about him? Are you talking about what he's done in your life? Are you praying for people to be healed? Nikki Gumbel says, far from dying out, there's an explosion of miraculous healing in the book of Acts. Luke, who was the author of Acts, clearly sees that this is something that continues in the life of the church. We believe that God heals. I think we often don't act like we believe that he heals. But I truly believe that he heals. And so why wouldn't we pray and ask him to heal people physically, emotionally, and spiritually? Back to music. One of my favorite musicians, Neil Morse. You probably haven't heard of him. Don't worry. There's a, there's a picture of him. Um, uh, he, part of him becoming a Christian was about healing. So his daughter, Jada, was born with a hole in the heart. And as a baby, she would regularly stop breathing. And they didn't know whether she would survive. Um, but she was uh, taken a couple of times to church and prayed for, and then the next time that she had a scan, the doctors couldn't find a hole. It wasn't that, oh, the hole has shrunk slightly. It's, there's no hole there. And, and then I think the doctors in the hospital called her the miracle baby. Um, but that kind of story shouldn't surprise us, because if God created all things, created you, knit you together in your mother's womb, and you're fearfully and wonderfully made, then it's not too much for him to uh, seal up a hole in a heart, or uh, free someone from cancer, or set someone free from depression, or whatever it may be. Now, we don't believe that God heals every time, but what we can do is pray with faith and ask him to heal. 
for Neil Morse, that was an important step in his journey to coming to know Jesus. And his life now looks radically different. So probably if you caricatured him uh, as a young man, he was a kind of depressed, self-obsessed musician. No offense to musicians. Now he's outward focused. He kind of radiates Jesus in what he does. And he's been involved in starting a church. A, A radical transformation in his life. Now, like the disciples, we're now in the people business, yeah? So it's not like, oh no, we should, we should do lots of good church stuff, or we should have good services, or you know, we should have uh, great buildings. We're in the people business. So just as Jesus turned them from fishermen into fishing for people, what about us? Are we fishing for people? Are you out there with your rod? Or are you out there with some friends, each holding your bit of the net, fishing for people? You might say, I'm not, I'm not really into fishing. I, I prefer, I, I like the kind of city on the bank in the sunshine. But I'll let, I'll let other people do the fishing. Or you might say, I'm not really into evangelism or telling people about Jesus. I like worship. Can we say that we're really following Jesus if we're not doing the things that he did? Are we following him at all? And before we all feel terribly condemned, because we could, couldn't we? There is grace There's grace. So it's not about ultimately what we do, but it is about us inviting his work within us. So it's about his spirit working in you and you following that prompting. When he says, go and talk to that person, go and offer to pray for them, go and tell them about me, go and tell them what I've done in your life in the last week, it's just being faithful and doing those things. We need to be with Jesus, spend time with him, and we need to encourage one another. It's so much easier if friends, if Ivor says to me, oh, how's that friend uh, that that you spent time with? Have Have you got any more opportunities to talk to them about Jesus? And then I can encourage him back. It's so much easier if we encourage one another. Jesus doesn't ask us to achieve a whole load of stuff. He just asks us to follow, and then he'll produce the fruit or the consequences in our lives. We just have to be with him, and he'll change us. Mike Breen, who uh, used to pastor a church and has written a lot about discipleship, says this, Have we shifted our criteria for a good disciple as someone who shows up to our stuff, gives money, and occasionally feeds poor people. The true, this is me now, not Mike Breen, the true measure of success should be how faithfully you're following him, counting the cost and aiming to do the things that he did. Now, it's amazing. Since January, we've seen over 15 people 
respond and say, yes, I want to follow Jesus. That's remarkable, isn't it? It is absolutely remarkable. One of them's a good friend of ours. One of them uh, responded at Encounter Camp, who's uh, a guest from Street Life. Uh, another one is from a different faith background. It's remarkable what God's doing amongst us. But do you know why? Partly why God does that, not just to change people's lives, it's to change us and to build faith in us that these are the things that he does. Do you know what? I don't have many stories about healing. We need more, don't we? What, uh, what, one of the best stories I have um, was uh, I was in a meeting many years ago and a guy responded for prayer um, and it was me and someone else. Both of us had no idea what we were doing. So it's like, oh, just pray. But he jumped out of a plane. That's a silly thing to do, isn't it? With a parachute. Um, but he'd landed badly. And so when he came up for prayer, he basically, he couldn't straighten his right leg. It was, it was like locked. And I don't, know, I don't know the background, whether that was permanent, what it was, ligament damage, I don't know. But he couldn't straighten his leg. And me, not knowing anything, we prayed in Jesus' name, and he straightened his leg. I, I think I was the most surprised person there. I'm not sure I was praying with much faith, but that's what Jesus can do. And I just felt, before I finish this message, we should, it's obedient for me to just pray for anyone here who is sick or unwell. So it will, it will take a bit of bravery on your part, but you don't need to be embarrassed. But if there is anything uh, that you need healing for, will you just stand now? And I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just, I just want to pray. And the way that we're going to do this, um, as, as different people stand, then, then more can stand. Um, the way we're going to do it, if you can is just put your hand on wherever. So if it's your knee, if you jumped out of a plane and you can't straighten your leg, put your hand on your knee. So just put your hand, if you can. It may not be uh, a certain part of your body. It may be your whole body. So that's, that's okay. But we're just going to pray uh, with faith. There is nothing special about me. I don't have any power whatsoever. But we believe Jesus has authority over everything in the universe. And so we're just going to pray in his name like he told us to do, and we're going to ask him to heal. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these dear brothers and sisters that are standing before you. We thank you even for their faith to stand. Lord, we thank you for stories that we hear all the time of people being healed. And we just pray now in the mighty name of Jesus, will you come and heal? You know every precious person here. You know what they need. You know whether there is just temporary damage or there's permanent damage. You know whether it's cancer. You know whether it's uh, something mentally that's afflicting them. You know whether it's something spiritually. And I pray now in the powerful name of Jesus, I speak to pain and I say, go in Jesus' name. I speak to any illness or affliction, any spirit that would trouble them, go now in Jesus' name. We speak health and healing and life 
in the powerful name of Jesus. Lord, just let your spirit rest on them. And I pray, either do the healing now completely, let it be completely done, or Lord, we just pray, if you've started to do something, keep working, keep moving in their lives, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit down. If, if you feel like something's happened, then obviously we'd love to hear about that um, just to celebrate it. So maybe if you feel like something's happened or is a good way is if there was something you couldn't do, if you jumped out of a plane and you couldn't straighten your leg and now you can straighten your leg, then that's a pretty easy one uh, to test. But we'd love to hear about it. So uh, maybe come and speak to Stuart or Emma or myself at the end if you feel like God's done something. What was the consequence of Jesus doing what he did. Well, verse 25 says, large crowds followed him. It speaks about all different areas, all across that region, people were following Jesus. And that's what we want for Bristol, helping Bristol believe. And what is being a disciple? Being a disciple means following Jesus counting the cost to leave some things behind and actively doing the things he did and is still doing. Imagine the difference it would make if you think how many of us there are here. Maybe between 100 to 150 and then the same number at Bradley Stoke and then uh, around 50 or 60 in our 9 a.m. meeting. Imagine if hundreds of us started following Jesus that way and just daily doing the things he did. Imagine the difference it would make, the impact it would make at work or in school or at university, in your family, amongst your friends, in your community. And Jesus calls us not only to be a disciple, but to make disciples. That's the Great Commission that we read about in Matthew 28, verse 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make replicas, facsimiles, models, copies of Jesus all across this city from different nations and backgrounds. Who's following you? Who's learning from you? It might be your children. It might be people you work with. It might be other people in the church. It may be people you know in Bristol. You can disciple someone even before they visited church or, or even thought about religion because you have a friendship with them. You are sharing your life. You're modeling something different. That's what my great aunt did for me. And you're bringing a measure of influence in that person's life. We should be disciples who make disciples, reproducing the life of God in us than in other people. And who are you following? Who are you learning from? Is there someone you need to get some time with or just observe and try and learn from them? It might be, I really want to learn how to pray or I really want to learn 
how to talk to people about Jesus. If you're trying to follow Jesus, make it your prayer every day. Lord, help me follow you today. I want to be with you. Please lead me. Please show me where you want me to go. I want to do the things that you do. I know I can only do that by the power of your spirit at work in me. Help me to proclaim you. Equip me to teach others. Empower me to pray for people and see them healed, restored, and set free. I encourage you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Recently, I've been reading uh, the Old Testament books of one and two kings that are an account of the kings of Israel after David, and we've been teaching through David's life recently. You get this repeated phrase that they did or they didn't follow the ways of their father. In 2 Kings 21 verse 20, you read about Ammon. It says this, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. He followed completely the ways of his father, worshipped the idols his father had worshipped, and bowing down to them. He forsook the Lord, the God of his ancestors, and did not walk in obedience to him. And then immediately after, in 2 Kings 22.2, that's all the twos, um, you read about his son, Josiah, It says this, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not his immediate father, but his ancestor David, not turning aside to the the right or the left. It doesn't matter who's gone before you. It's never too late to start following Jesus. The best way that we can respond and maybe the band could come back, is to ask this question. Asking God, what are you saying to me? And then asking yourself, now, what am I going to do about it? So can we stand together? And I'd, I'd love to pray for us, and then we'll get an opportunity to respond. Father, thank you for what you've already been saying to us this morning. Thank you that you speak to us. And I pray, Father, help us to follow Jesus faithfully. Help us to count the cost and do the things Jesus does with passion and faith. I pray For anyone here who wants to follow Jesus for the first time, give them courage to take that step, to count the cost, and commit their life to you. Lord, we want to hear what you're saying to us, and we want to act on it. We want to respond with faith. Please help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.